0: Welcome to Inspirational Leadership. My name is Kristen Harcourt, and I'm your host. I'm an executive coach and professional speaker, and I created this show to have a platform to have really inspiring conversations around what it looks like to humanize work, to be able to transform leaders, and ultimately create workplaces where people can show up as their best selves, be aligned with their purpose, and have meaningful work so that we can have organizations that are really creating positive contributions in the world and so every two weeks I get together with different guests all over the world and so this time I'm really on the other side of the world because I'm excited to introduce you to my guest who's here from Australia. So, today I'm going to be speaking with Sonia Law. And Sonia is the owner of SL Human Resources Consulting. She's located in Melbourne, Australia. She has 30 years' experience in HR management and is super passionate about helping people realize their potential and also creating work environments that nurture both physical and mental health. Welcome to the show, Sonia. Thank you. Thank you
1: so much, Kristen.
0: Um, So I'm a little bit jealous because it's winter in Toronto and it's beautiful somewhere where where you are, but that's okay. Um, If people could see Sonia, because this is a video and audio, she's got a beautiful tan. She's glowing right now, but I know summer is just around the corner here too. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So Sonia, I want to start off... um, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about your journey because I think it's quite fascinating in that um, you have multiple degrees you have a degree in teaching, you have a master's, you have done your MBA and um, you actually started off as a kindergarten teacher before you got into HR. Um, but I also want to talk a little bit personal as well because you are a mar- you do you're a marathoner you do triathlons. Um, so talk to me a little bit around your personal and professional journey that got you to where you are now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I live in Australia, I was born in uh, New Zealand. I guess New Zealand's, you know, I guess uh, being a little bit like Canada in that um, it's very mountainous. Uh, we get snow, it gets very cold. Um, so it's all about getting into the outdoors and adventure. Um, enjoying your environment, so that's where I got my love for exercise <laughs> outdoors. Um, um, so the marathon running, um, and then um, been doing for about twenty years, and then triathlon uh, for a similar amount of time. The triathlons your swim, swim, bike, run. So it's all outdoors in the bay and in the ocean, you know, which I really love. And, you know, it reminds me when I'm out there too about the importance of preserving our environment so that we can participate in these activities, which is really important to me. Um, It really, um, one of my first jobs, I worked at the checkout in supermarket and um, I was there for five years. And I noticed that people were queuing up with their trolleys um, at my cash register. but other cash registers were free. And I, I said to them, you know, you can go to somebody else. You don't need to wait, wait for me. And they're like, no, we want to talk to you. <laughs> so um, it was really sweet. And um, a lot of people said to me, my mom said, you should go into HR, you're really good with people. They, they like talking to you. And I thought that was a really important quality um, in a HR manager that you're approachable, that people open up. Um, And you can, you know, talk with them. So I went into a HR degree and um, started out um, in quite an entrepreneurial job. So I was given a telephone book and said, build a business uh, in terms of recruitment. So I went and knocked on doors and, you know, you get lots of rejections. But I certainly cultivated my resilience very early on in, in my career. And I learned as a consultant to ask a really broad question of, you know, tell me about your business. And then I just was very quiet. <laughs> I just learned to listen and uh, took lots of notes and they would show me their production lines. I've always pretty much been in manufacturing and engineering So my dad was a mechanical engineer. So I'm very interested about how things work and particularly in you know, a, a, the end product. Um, so I found myself working in that space uh, then. I moved up to uh, what is the Gold Coast or Queensland, uh, it's a state here in Australia, which is very sunny and beautiful um, in my 20s. And um, I met a lot of holistic uh, people in terms of natural therapies, chiropractors, um, got a personal trainer, really found sort of health and and well-being. So that's really shaped uh, my approach to working with people, as well as a HR manager, because I see the person first in terms of, you know, their not just their physical self, but their mental health and and their well-being and self-care and what are they doing, you know, from nutrition and exercise and uh, all the way through. So, because I believe if that's, you know, if you're keeping house good in the body first, well then everything kind of stems, you know, from that. So. Uh, Then I began a family and um, I was definitely a mother who pre-having my son Jackson, I was not... Uh, not sure how I would be because I was very much a businesswoman (laughs) and I sort of was literally my meeting you know when I was going into labor and I was like oh I've got to go to the hospital have the baby okay I'll be back (laughs) so um, but I found I sort of really got all these feelings of wanting to sort of nurture this child um, so I decided to take maternity leave, which is 12 months here in Australia. And I did a degree in teaching in early childhood. I really wanted to understand this small baby, how the brain develops, how they develop and how I could support this child through their they're, they're for early years because I'd had such a good experience myself in New Zealand in those formative six years, which really establishes, you know, the personality and, um, you know, the way you sort of live your life. So became a kinder teacher, absolutely loved it. I really found my people. Three-year-olds are my people. <laughs> <laughs> they're fun. They love learning. I absolutely love learning and when you spark that interest in them it is extremely rewarding as a teacher and I would you know notice that spark and then apply the program around them so it wasn't a rigid program and that's probably my approach as a teacher as well. It's um, good to go with people's passions and interests and sort of flame the fire, so to speak, which is around that Montessori type teaching and Steiner and, and so forth. So it's very tactile, it's very practical because people's learning styles are very different. So I, as a facilitator, like to adapt to the different learning styles um, so that they, they learn best. Um, so then it was, you know, child's getting older, by this stage I had some stepchildren and uh, wanted to re-enter the corporate world um, and noticed that um, the boardroom wasn't too different from the sandpit. <laughs> you know, it was like, wow, they said they actually hired me because I had worked in a kindergarten <laughs> and there were some behaviours that were resembling a village <laughs> <early> childhood. <laughs> so I thought that was quite humorous. <laughs> so... Uh, Yeah, with all all respect, I came into the boardroom and, yeah, facilitated um, a lot of courageous conversations when I re-entered and helping people to understand how to sort of, you know, interact so that we could be productive and efficient to make good decisions and that was... Um, you yeah, know, the big move really was was to sort of Hitachi further sort of down the line. Um, they were initially owned by United Technologies Group and then Next Private Equity and then now Hitachi, the Japanese have had lots of different owners. Um, but, yeah, really sort of solid sort of leadership team. So it was good to come back to HR and then sort of exercise, you know, the understanding the person holistically, and, um, and uh, looking after their health and well-being first um, and then creating a safe place for them to to work and to realize their potential and adapting to their various learning styles so um, yeah I've been very very fortunate really to to have had that experience
0: Wow, I I love the diversity. And I I see so many parallels all the time between parenting, raising, raising children and raising employees in beautiful ways, right? Just as you described that, that if you really tap into people's gifts and talents and allow them to be creative. We don't suddenly stop being creative as adults that we don't want to be able to play and create and use our gifts and talents that doesn't shift because we become adults. I just think some organizations and workplaces don't actually support those gifts and talents in an environment where they can do that. Um, One of the things that shows up for me, Sonia, I remember when we had our initial conversation, I was, um, I was so intrigued by our shared passion around what it looks like to put people first and then when you put people first how has a huge impact on the ability for everybody to work together and we were even talking about when there's conflict and why there's conflict and when people aren't getting along or where we might say people are acting out and there might be behavior issues again reminding me of kindergarten the reason why they brought you in because some of those behavior (laughs) challenges and It was so awesome as to use you as a case study, Sonia, around what happened when you came in. And so talk to me a little bit around that because the organization looked a certain way and there were some behavioral challenges happening and dynamics at play. And there were some specific things that you did to really shift what was happening in that workplace. So I'd love for you to
1: share some of that experience. Yes, yeah. Um, I think the first thing was really like role modeling is always the, you know, role modeling the, the right behaviors and that comes from the top. So that's the CEO and um, HR. HR really set the culture of an organization. Um, so consistency, I think in the way that you behave, um, it was a great compliment that people would say, we know what we're gonna get when we speak with you, you're the same all the time. So that consistency equals safety. So it's really important that you know, we make people feel safe and um, expression or anger or, you know, what the behavior is, is, is not a bad thing, but it's about getting to the root cause of that frustration and understanding from their perspective. And, and that's really the skill is, is holding, is having trust and holding a safe place for people so that they, they open up and to really listen um, authentically. Um, to find out what actually drives them and what motivates them. Um, We used um, the five whys. Why, why, why? (laughs) Which is uh, pretty much how you get to the root cause. Not an intrusive way, just a quiet way. Um, So working with individuals and then when you're with a group of people, um it's calling out the behavior in a respectful way and just taking a pause to to um you know particularly in the boardroom if if that's occurring and to uh also give people an opportunity to do some work on themselves so get some self-awareness as to um you know what their particular style is um what their style is within the group and to in order to have um you know, innovation and, you know, achieve our goals, what sort of behaviours do we need to, to um, commit to, where it's about the group goals and the company objectives, not about individuals and our own, um, you know, potentially our own ego. Uh, it's really about, well, what's best for the company and how can we facilitate these conversations, these decisions. Um, in order to have a successful um, business. Uh, so it's really at an individual level and then in group settings, um, self-awareness, education, um, it, a lot of it is, is really, really listening and getting the relationship to a point where you can give some feedback um, in the nicest possible way that respects that person um but also delivers sort of a, a message about how they could potentially do things differently next time or you know and try try that out. Um, that then empowers that person. They have a choice as to whether they're going to take on that feedback and you know try it out. So um, that's a really big part of um that situation. The person needs to be open, have a growth mindset. Um, we talked, you know, we discussed what that looks like, Um, be open to feedback, and then cultivate their own resilience in the journey as well, Uh, because it's not all smooth sailing. Uh, In order to develop ourselves, um, you know, personally and professionally, um, it does require a certain amount of vulnerability, Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, that, that can be you know, that can bind people together, but it can also push people into corners as well. So, um yeah, it's sort of like a contraction expansion um, sort of scenario. Um, but if you're well-intended and you come across in the genuine in the right way and with compassion, people are quite open and receptive to it um, because then they're not... Feeling limited and stuck in the, in that space, and they learned to kind of flow with the organization as a pos- as opposed to being rigid, and not and not really enjoying you know, their work life.
0: Hmm. Wow, so much valuable stuff with what you just said there, and I I'm. I always kind of try to take on the hat of I'm, I'm hearing a CEO or I'm hearing an HR leader that's struggling with some of these things. And so mm-hmm. let's help them to understand. And you've done a really good job of, of really understanding and helping them to understand it's the individual and helping them understand how they're part of the team and what you're trying to create together. Um, mm-hmm. So imagine somebody is in an organization where There are some of those behaviors that are happening that aren't aligned with the values and who they're trying to be and what they're trying to create as an organization, right? Because we know values, we've all seen this, where we see the values, but the behaviors that are um, part of those values are not actually showing up in the organization. And there's not really any accountability for it's kind of like, well, you know, that person does their job really well. So we're, we're not gonna necessarily, that's just who they are, right? We kind of throw it off. And, and so th- that's something that I'm strongly passionate about is not, is not okay. And we need to do something to address those behaviors. And so I like what you said there um, to help that person feel the trust so that they can um, start to share. And, and when you're asking the questions with the why and, and all of that kind of stuff, I'm wondering if you think about people on their self-awareness journey, and there's Mm. some people who are more in the middle or further along, and there's others who are very much near the beginning of their Mm -hmm. self, their self-awareness journey. What are some of those ways that you start, you are able to create that safe environment where they're going to be vulnerable so that they are willing and able to do some of the inside work because it's, very uncomfortable at first right and so what are some of those ways I'm I'm thinking of those people who are a little further on the other side of self-awareness
1: yeah yeah um I think to take interest in them as as people and and in their role and what they do within the business um and to I mean I'd sort of invite myself along I said oh can I you know go into some of your group meetings or your one-on-ones or you know can we have a one-on-one once a week and you just talk to me about what it is you're doing in your role or within your team if they're a manager and uh really just to to listen listening's a big part of it. it takes a while actually you can't really go straight in and you know give direct feedback without first establishing and understanding what their role is because that behavior there may be a reason for it and so it may be just tweaking it a little bit so um it's really coming from an understanding first um and then um you know getting to a point where you have got that safety and that trust and and they're taking your counsel and they're almost at that point of art really they're asking you for feedback yeah um that you it's you know i i observe or i notice and you know i can see the the you know you're you're saying to them you know they're the piece of the puzzle you know of how the organization functions it you know what what would happen if we tried this so it's i mean they're mostly engineers that i work with so it's it's encouraging them for to tinker a little bit with their approach and to see what the outcome is. And they really like that sort of trial and error, and, and you know, sort of, but it's really taking it back to establishing a very good relationship where you, you're very much listening and you only, you only give them little bits, little bits of feedback, um, you know, along the way to the point that then they ask you. What what would, you know, you've always, they say, you've always been um, good enough to give me feedback or honest enough or um, I haven't had that before. Um, So they get to a point where they're kind of almost using like a coach. But that that definitely takes time. And that's a human to human connection and emotion and feeling um, that's been transmitted sort of over a period of time um so when you say people are sort of early in their journey um they just may not have um been in that sort of coaching type relationship before um they've been directed and that's why they've pushed been pushed into a corner and they've stuck with their default but when you sort of lead them in sort of really gently and you're um genuine they tend to be more you know more sort of responsive yeah I, think that,
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that so many valuable points because in this busy world and, and people wanting to make things happen quickly and efficiently and move right into action. Um, and we're in this whole instant gratification world that we want everything like this and it doesn't actually work like that. And so I think that what you said is so important. You know, we talk about listening all the time and what it yeah. looks like to be fully present and actively listen to people I would put it out there like 50% of leaders are probably not doing that. So there may be 50% that are really doing that. They think they are, but to actually be fully present and actively listen, not listening so that you can respond with what you're going to say, but really truly hearing that person and making them feel seen and heard. And we all know what that feels like when we're, we're really feeling like someone's genuinely making us feel seen and heard. They're like giving us all of our, our attention and then coming from a place of curiosity to understand and asking more questions. It's, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's like night and day. It makes it, no matter who yeah. the person is, it, it feels so different.
1: Yeah, and, and the business has created that environment. So when someone acts a certain way, it's just not them personally the environment has created that so that they think that they, their perception is that they need to operate in that way. They just haven't realised that they don't need to do that anymore. So that's when they need that sort of feedback. But you do have the CEO, you know, saying, you know come on we just need that person on the on this page like straight away like you said you know it's very rushed it's very much the HR person almost like fending as well like they just you know need a bit more time and then explaining from that person's point of view where they're at and why they operate that way and then yeah that's when the tweaking comes in but it's being conscious that it's never one thing. It's a very calm. People are complex and it's yeah. often an environment. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. It takes so long for them to get to that point. So it takes equally yeah. amount of time yeah. to get them back to um, how they should be operating. Yeah. You know, it's like when you change jobs, you're one way in one job and one environment and then you yes. change jobs You know, and people do leave because of cultures, but they find their tribe, they find their environment and then they flourish. So it's really finding, yeah, that sort of uh, happy medium where they're delivering um, the best potential in themselves and in the organisation. It's art, yes. <laughs> science, and art. <laughs> yeah,
0: and, and I, it feels like that's also how HR can be the bridge to the CEO to help them understand. Yes right? To understand that this is what it looks like. And this is why we need to be a little bit more patient and then also help and teach our other leaders how to do this because it should never be just HR. HR is modeling it and because even when I hear people say, well, HR owns culture, no, like all of us own culture. Like we're every day as we're showing up as those leaders, but if the leaders aren't being given any help around, what does it look like to coach okay. an individual, not to be directive, not to tell them what to do, to ask that person questions so yeah. that they can come to their own realizations and insights and reflect things back to them. I, I have to give the leaders credit if nobody's pulling them aside and giving them any
1: training or information. 100%. 100%. And they haven't, you know, and particularly technical people haven't necessarily had the soft skill training nor the time or the energy for reflection. So it's, yeah, the first thing I would do is like an emotional intelligence. Um, survey to get them to get some awareness of you know where they're at on the, on the journey and the continuum and and there's no good or bad it's all it, it's all perfectly fine where they are at, where they're at but you know i can get a bit of an idea with it where the gaps are and then go through that kind of with them in a non-sort of personal judgmental way but just say look yeah. this is where you know I see it and this is where you could do some more work and often it's saying it's okay to um connect with people on a human level it's okay to say say to them how can I support you what support do you need and to ask those really broad questions we sometimes come to those meetings with employees feeling like we've got to have a script we've got to know what to say and often it's better when we don't um that we're relaxed we're ready to listen and um we can you know find out really what makes them tick and what enables them to to be their best self at work and then you get a really um, connected loyal um, person who would even be willing to suffer stress for you in terms of if you're wanting them to work longer hours or they're being overworked at the time it's amazing what people will withstand if they know that you've got their back they feel safe they feel heard They will give you all the loyalty in the world. You'll extract so much more. And this really has a bottom line impact to, you know, in the way that, I'm expected to be reviewed in terms of revenue per head count, which is essentially you've got your head count, this is how much money you're making and how much you're making, you know, per person. And I was in a global organisation where we're being, you know, marked against, you know, other other countries. And um, that discretionary effort that literally hits the bottom line is about connecting with people on a human level, what makes them feel safe, what makes them, you know, um, work hard for the for the company I and mean, you get better productivity you get reduction absentees, and you get a reduction in turnover you get more engagement um, they're going to have be delighting the customer because they're happy in their job and then that could lead to another referral or you know more sales so you know, I think it's just often my role is to make that connection to shareholders and to business leaders who are really, you know, it's all about numbers and, um, and it is. Financial sustainability is an important part of business, but it's connecting them to the fact that if you do this work at a leadership level and create this culture, then everyone benefits and that's what drops out, you know, the bottom line because often people don't understand their piece in the puzzle of an organisation and and that can build some frustration. Um, So it's helping them to see what their piece is in in the vision or the mission of the company Um, and, you know, extracting as much as possible (laughs) from people because they're a resource um, so that they, you know, feel excited to come to work you know, and it becomes like a family to them and um, make it very hard for them to leave then.
0: <laughs> well, it's so true. And, and as you were saying that, the other thing was showing up to showing up for me is that the the way you can connect them to the purpose around what the the contribution that they're making in that work, right? Just like you were saying, the puzzle piece, right? If they don't see how what they're doing is contributing to something bigger, Um, and, and these days in terms of, I love the way work has really shifted, like in terms of social responsibility and um, B Corps and all of that, like people want to work for organizations that are contributing to making positive changes in the world. Right. And I, I know for myself, those are questions that I'd be asking now, you know, who, why, why am I going to work with this organization? What are you trying to do? What, what, what's, um, how, what are you trying to solve in the world? How are you positively contributing?
1: Yeah, and that's how I start with getting the right people in. So, um, my first conversation with, with a candidate is a, is literally a conversation. What are your values? What's important to you in your personal life? You know, and to get a sense of them as a person, and if there's an alignment to our values then you know we'll go forward to the next stage of having all their skills and experience and of course you do some testing and you do your panels and you do all of that stuff but the first conversation I want to get a sense of who they are yeah, yeah and how they they live their life yeah yeah it's so important
0: for both parties right because they're not going to be yeah. happy at that company if it's not the right fit for the values that they want to be living and breathing every day and then it's not good for the organization because they're not going to stay it's not going to feel good. Um, and then I think also, because again, you know how passionate I am with leadership, um, you want to, be able to make sure that they're going to have leaders who are going to help create environments to bring out those, those values and behaviors and, um, coaching and development and personal growth, because we all crave that too, right? We want to feel yeah. like we're growing and learning and evolving in those organizations
1: mm-hmm. we're working in. Absolutely. Cause people, you know, leave, leave, as we know, leave managers, um they leave cultures because they don't feel like they fit um so if those two things aren't there it's very difficult or if they don't feel like they're being rewarded or recognized or promoted um so often i would get feedback from a hiring manager saying they're just you know that they, they haven't made it through the interview process so Um, I would then get the feedback from the manager and then communicate that feedback to the employee um, in a way more like a development plan so these are the gaps and they, they're usually actually soft skills, a uh, little little bit the hard skills but usually soft skills. So then I would coach them because <laughs> the position comes up again. <laughs> and then <laughs> and so um, the next time they went for the job, they'd get the job. <laughs> and it was it's the most thrilling thing, really. I really it's my favorite thing is um, taking someone from where they don't get that promotion using that feedback and then coaching them for a few years because it does take a few years for the job to come up again but you know when you stay in organizations like I do you can see that you can see people get better yeah and it's extremely thrilling when they take on that feedback and they mature and then they get the job it's just the best and they become best manager Yeah. Because they say to people, you know, I didn't get that job straight away, but I worked on myself and I I took the feedback and I grew and now I'm the branch manager and they become the best manager. Yeah. They're brilliant. Yeah. Because they're also sharing their experience with others,
0: which is that vulnerability and connection, right? Because they let other people know, hey, this is what my journey looked like. And now they're giving back. It's like you're, when you gave that feedback at Ripples, because now they're giving back to the other people in the same way you did for them.
1: And it's storytelling. Yes. Telling stories. Yeah. Yes. And it's a big part of organizations because people before they join a company will often try and find out you know what's that culture like and definitely yeah. get some stories. So the stories that we tell are very important uh, in organizations.
0: One thing I want to circle back, Sonia, and not lose in our conversation when it comes to feedback, because I, I see that you're very comfortable with feedback. Um, yes. You're very comfortable giving feedback, but for others, it can feel a little bit uncomfortable. And um, yes. I, I am a big fan of radical candor, but I'm also conscious of, I've heard of several situations actually this year where radical candor is not being used in the way Kim Scott intended it to be, which, you know, radical candor is supposed to be both kind and both direct. And so I'm curious from your perspective, um, using radical candor in the right way, what does that look like? Like how can uh, but but how can us uh, how can an individual leaning into radical candor be more effective in the way that they're delivering feedback or making feedback something that's happening on a regular basis? And I'm focusing a little bit more on the constructive feedback because I feel like positive feedback tends to be easier oh, for people.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, it, it's, it's hard, isn't it, to receive feedback? It really is. Um, you're opening yourself right up. And um, so the practice of asking for feedback means that you're going to get easier at receiving it and you're going to get better at giving it as well because you know what it feels like when someone's giving you feedback. You know what it feels like when they did it well. You know what it feels like when they didn't do it so well and the words they used and the emotion and all of that. So I think first to be able to give good feedback, you have to be someone that asks for feedback. Yeah. And um, so I think that's really, really important. Um, because I connect with people on a personal level and I want to understand their story, when I work with them. They're they're, the real story. I had a a woman who she lost a son in a workplace accident. He died of electrical shock at 19. And when she applied for the job, I said, you know, why are you applying for the job? And she said, so I can keep my 4.30 appointment every day. And I took the time to ask her, where do you go at 4.30 every day? And she went to his, site every day to the cemetery and she said your branch is very close to there and it means that i can go there for uh to visit to visit alex um now i created opportunity in such a safe environment for her really is kind of open up to me very early and i generally do have the good fortune of understanding people's stories they will tell me what their story is and but what I notice is when they come up for a promotion because she came up for a promotion is that she has walled up because she's been hurt before you know she's suffered trauma so for her to put herself out there and promote herself in an interview is very uncomfortable yeah. so and you know to kind of you know, she had really good skills and everyone in the branch wanted her to become the branch manager, but she'd kind of had all this kind of stuff up and, you know, it's, I mean I mean that walls, walls up. So in order for her to present herself in the right way, interview, had to get her to a point where she could communicate um both in the body language and, and in language, you know, why she's the best candidate. And that actually was very difficult for her to do because it's quite a vulnerable thing when you put yourself out there for a job, you know, what it feels like when going for a job. Do they like me? Don't they like me? Am I going to get it? Am I not going to get it? Um, it's this most terrifying thing. Even for me as a HR manager, I find it extremely terrifying to be interviewed and to, you know, so it's understanding um that it can be quite, people have different levels of vulnerability. So I, I, you know, said to her simply that, you know, you know, I've noticed when you come up to the interview that um, kind of get really sort of, um, you, you're, not, you're not talking about you, all the Google qualities and I see all these amazing qualities that it would be great in a manager because you're so compassionate because of your experience and you work really hard and you have great technical skills, but you're not communicating that. So it's explained to them, I understand that the walls are there and they're there to protect you, but this is the time to let that down in order to show yourself. And um, so they're trusting you and then they, they, they try it in the interview and then they progress in the interview and get the job and then she came back to me and said, "Thank you so much for coaching and guiding me through that experience because it was really uncomfortable for her and sort of unnatural." Um, but you first need to understand people's story. Now that that differs depending on how open people are, and I can, yeah. and the size of the organisation. I completely understand that, but it becomes a story. So people know then that, you know, HR have worked with them in an authentic, genuine way. And there's so many examples of them, you know, getting promotions or um, being seen, you know, HR people or, or are quite good at being seen and communicating their ideas and, you know, what they can do and what they can offer. It's not natural for people. So when you're giving the feedback, it's, you um, in a very sort of humble way, um, giving them the, the feedback in a very yeah, compassionate, respectful way. And if you can share something about yourself, like, I know this is really difficult. Like I've I've had the same experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you sort of, um, it, it requires you to share first. So in order to, to give feedback, it's really empathising. But when feedback is not given in a very good way, the person is usually very busy. They don't see the person. They're speaking, but they're not really connecting on a human-to-human human level. And so it just comes off as poor, or bad feedback. So the worst situation is the person doesn't take it on. In, in, in factual sense, the feedback was probably quite good. Yeah. um but it's the way it was delivered and then the person's not receptive they don't take it on and there's generally not another opportunity to do that once that person's dismissed that I don't need to take that feedback on um because it doesn't you know connect with me then they're completely stuck then it's quite hard to go back a second of time yeah. and say look that feedback was sound I'm sorry you've had that experience uh, you know let's try again it's like oh you know we've kind of already been there we've opened up that wound and now it's kind of getting really abrasive and and we can see the resistance and they're kind of moving back in their chair and um yeah it's sort of a very difficult one so being someone who is first open to feedback so that you get the experience of kind of what it feels like is is, is really important yeah it's, it's a tough one but um You know, people leave organisations because they don't get promotions. No one took the time to give them the feedback as to why they didn't get it. But imagine if you deliver it in the right way, you keep that person. They might not get the job the first time, but they get it the second time. And then you've got this person who's going to be able to, to do that themselves with their own team and their own people is um, it, that's really legacy stuff and that, that stays with the organisation. It becomes their story. It becomes the way that they do things. It becomes their culture um, that, you know, you might not get it the first time, but if you take the feedback and you do the coaching, you work on yourself, you'll get it. It happened to me. It's really powerful. Like it's not the CEO or HR manager telling them that. Other people tell them, employees, people who work there, and, and they're really the people that make organizations for HR we're in service of people we, we we unblock things and help them to realize their potential but we're in service of people to get the best out of them and then it's to understand that you know that that's our job to 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 ha- to help and support people and if we get the best out of out of them then then we're doing that our job properly mm. I just, uh,
0: Sonia, I (laughs) love the way you described that. I think you just described it so beautifully because it's kind of nuanced and the way you explained it was just so well done because That's the part, it's the way it's being delivered. And when there's the humanity in it, and you, you, again, it's going back to the whole, like not only listening, but slowing down and pausing the process and really being in there and recognizing this is this connection moment with you and that other human. It changes the energy. It shifts everything that happens in that conversation. And I, I just, I really, really appreciate the way that you describe that. Um, because I think that's what happens. It's it's that even they had good intentions around and wanting to deliver some feedback that would be really helpful. It wasn't delivered properly, and then it was such a lost opportunity. Or I'm just thinking of a scenario that showed up with one of my clients um last week. The feedback is given and it's confusing. So sometimes the feedback might be given, but there's oh, no, yes. it's not It's not concrete. So they can't do anything with it. I, I remember it was something around being told um, you, you need to show up more as a leader and, and build your influence. And she said, but what does that mean? Like, can you give me examples? Like I need to tactically understand what that looks like. And then it's so disheartening because I remember her asking several times and then no other information was given. And so then it's like, well, so it was again, another lost opportunity. Like you need to help that person understand what that looks like, paint the vision, do the storytelling, like you're saying, show them the story. This is what this looks like in action. Now they have a vision. They have something to work towards. Oh, they're energized and inspired.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And then they run towards it. With both hands because I know very clearly what they have to do, what they have to say, how they have to behave, and it actually works. Yeah. It actually works. Yeah. It's just the best. Yeah. There's nothing better than recruiting from your in- internal promotions are the yeah. best story. Yeah. Um, shareholders so I- like it too. Yes.
0: I knew this was gonna be like this. I feel like honestly, we could just keep on talking on all these different topics, um, but be recognizing I know listeners that you have a certain attention span and you have lots on your plate. And so I appreciate that. And I, I you've just shared so much valuable insight, Sonia. Um, as we start to finish off today's conversation, I want to give you an opportunity to leave your final thoughts with the audience. So it can be on any topic. You know, when you think about leadership, when you think about health and well-being, when you think about reaching your potential, anywhere you want to go, what's showing up for you in this moment that you'd like to leave with our audience?
1: Yeah, I think it's being a lifelong learner is really important you know I find I learn most from other people and their experience they teach me something every day so definitely opening yourself up to 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 learn and to be curious to ask questions why you know things are happening um how things work and sort of fit together um, is really important understand the whole landscape um so yeah being open being learning being curious um and um resilient yeah because you're going to get the sort of ups and downs um so cultivating resilience is you know really important and you know a positive outlook doesn't go astray yes. <laughs> yeah. there's always some perspectives so there's always someone worse off you know and um so perspective is always important that really helps you to get out out of the way of oneself um yeah but yeah to be kind and compassionate to people um is a really good place to to start beautiful Mm -hmm. i love
0: that and sonia where can people learn more about you and the work that you do in the world
1: yes certainly i can have a look on linkedin my site i publish my articles on various topics around the pandemic and engagement and empowerment and culture and um performance um which is huge passion of mine um and i'm soon to launching my website um so that's coming soon too
0: Wonderful.
1: (laughs) Wonderful.
0: I highly encourage people to connect with Sonia. And um, for everybody who's listening, there'll be show notes on the website where you can learn more about Sonia. And please check out other episodes and go on to Apple Podcasts, write your reviews so that more people can discover this podcast that has been growing organically. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for being here, Sonia.
1: Appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Sonia.